Welcome back to Bleacher Brawls. We have another Yankees and Red Sox show coming at you. And it's an interesting one because we're at a very interesting point in the season. The Yankees are still doing what they do best. The Red Sox are floundering. We have two teams in two very different places, and we're going to break them down for you now. My name is Patrick. I'm here with John and Luke and Barnes. We're going to talk about the Yanks. We're going to talk about the Sox. We're going to talk about the trade deadline. We're going to talk about some of the superstars of Major League Baseball and whether or not we think that they're going to be traded. All these things, but we're going to start off with a couple days ago, right after the trade deadline, the Yankees and the Astros had to sort of come back a day early, make up a doubleheader um, from earlier in the year, and the Astros won both games of the doubleheader. And now you've got a Yankees team that's two and four against Houston and a matchup that could very well be the ALCS matchup. So, John, I'm going to start with you. Your takeaways from that Houston doubleheader series, whatever you want to call it. Well, at first, my initial reaction was to hit the panic button because the Yankees, if the Yankees are going to the World Series, in all likelihood, they're going to have to get through Houston. However, Aaron Boone calmed me with some of his post-game press, uh, press conference remarks. Aaron Boone, you know, acknowledged the fact that the Yankees didn't necessarily put out their best lineups. He didn't say it, but Domingo Herman pitched his first game in, I have no clue when, since when. Uh, it wasn't like they came out guns blazing in that doubleheader. And Aaron, like Aaron Boone said, if they come back there in the ALCS and they're, they have to win a game in Houston, they're going to be a lot more ready for it than they necessarily were coming off the all-star break where they were still resting guys. Barnes, any of your takeaways from that Houston doubleheader? Uh, big takeaways here. Um, you got to figure out a way to get past the Astros, as John said, and as we've seen in recent years, that the Yankees are going to have to visit Houston if all things go right in the early rounds for us. Um, the huge thing is we got to find a way to get a hit. In game one of the doubleheader, we had the Yankees had five hits. In game two, they had eight hits. I mean, the red, uh, the Astros just literally had more. Obviously, you get more hits, you get more guys on base, you can cause more runs. It's simple, easy, basic baseball. So you got to figure a way to get past the Astros pitching. You know, Aaron Boone does say we didn't field the best possible lineups, but, and that's, that may be very well and true, but you, you still got to figure it out. I just feel like the Yankees haven't figured it out yet. Um, and then the Yankees got to get some arms, obviously Domingo Herman, it's his first game. And since it feels like, you know, the dinosaurs roamed, but you know, like, why are we throwing out Domingo Herman? I mean, I kind of get it because you wanted to bring in Tyone for that first game in the following series in Baltimore, and you got to just see what the guys got. But, I mean, both games were tight near the end. It could have gone either way. It was just uh, one of those days where it just seemed like nothing was going to go right for the Yankees, and it was all going right for Houston. Is this a matchup that you guys – feel concerned about going forward or you know does this series not mean too much does two and four not mean too much you feel like you're going to be competitive regardless i can't speak for barnes i am definitely worried it's it, you you have to be i mean like again i keep going back to what aaron boone said aaron boone mentioned how they beat the astros four times in the regular season last year and then still couldn't get past them in the postseason or didn't even get to them in the postseason. So you, it's this narrative isn't going to end until the Yankees beat the Astros in the postseason. Yankees could have won five out of six games, but until they beat them in the postseason, the Astros still have their number. It's concerning. So obviously I would have loved to see the Yankees win these games, but they didn't. And we need to start thinking about how we match up with Houston and with the trade deadline coming in, what they can do to make, the team better to be able to compete with Houston though. I, I'm sorry. One last point on that. When I was looking at Houston's uh, pitching staff, obviously Justin Verlander's, you know, 40 years old, uh, Jake Odorizzi, their fifth starter is rather old and we all know what he is. The other Houston starters are younger guys could end up seeing those young pitchers with dead arms and 
that's something I think they might play in the Yankees' favor. I don't know if they have the depth in the farm system to make up for that. So you were so what you were saying was you were hitting the panic button, but then Aaron Boone talked about it and it made you feel better. I mean, he put it into a perspective. I mean, he, he didn't necessarily coddle me, but he put the whole series into perspective about the fact that they really weren't playing their best lineup. They weren't going in there. And they weren't going to kill themselves to win a doubleheader coming right out of the all-star break. So it's, again, it's a problem. They need to win these games, but he's also putting it into perspective in the bigger picture. You know, Aaron Judge is going to be playing the field. You know, John Carlos Stanton is going to be playing every game against the Astros. I think he sat at least one of those. Did he call yeah. them savages at any point during that press conference? No, he didn't. And that's fine. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get all the Yankee fans to sweat it out. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I asked two questions. That's all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I hear that you're asking two questions and we're answering them here. I'm telling you right now, he didn't say that they were savages in the box. Boom. Period. End of story. We're not going to hit the Yankees. The Yankees are not going to hit the panic button. We should be concerned, though. All right. That's first and foremost. Right now, the Houston Astros are the Yankees' older brother. They're just giving us noogies, giving us wedgies, and it stinks. It's not a great time. But I think that the Astros are beatable this year, as opposed to years past where it just seemed like those Astros teams were just so good. I think that this Astros team is beatable. Came down to like the last, literally the last play of the game in game one of that doubleheader where King gets into a jam, he gets two big strikeouts, and because the Yankees are using analytics and they're playing the shift, the hitter just beats the shift. Glaber Torres is out in right field, and he can't get to second. Otherwise, if he's not playing the shift, that's probably an out. Inning over, they go, they're going into the next set of extra innings. All right, game two, it gets ugly fast. Judge hits a three-run homer. Torres gets on base, and then Carpenter hits into a double play. I'm not saying to hit the panic button. I am saying be concerned, and we need to improve to get better. Have the Yankees ever beaten these Astros in the playoffs? I didn't think so, but then I wasn't paying attention to 2020, so they might have then. I don't know. Who cares about well, 2020? <laughs> right. Yeah, no, so, yeah, nobody watched anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I would say get in touch with Rafael, De- Rafael Devers, um, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, they have some intelligence about that, how to beat the Astros in the playoffs. They've done it before. The Yankees haven't. I don't know. I'd be scared if I were you. That's all I'm going to say. I don't think they'll ever do it again, though, either. You know, that, that, that's kind of in the past. Why, well, that's a great segue. Why don't we get into the Red Sox? I'd yeah. love to hear what y'all have to say about yeah. that. Yeah, your, your problems seem so, so small right now compared to the Red Sox problems. I know that's what like, they're like 65 and 30 and Barnes. I'm not hitting the panic button. Like, Holy shit. Like imagine being 35 games over 500 and being like, it's maybe time to panic. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Red Sox in a series against the Blue Jays this weekend. I mean, just, it was just a complete ass whooping from beginning to end. I mean, there were basically no positives on, on the Red Sox end of the ball. We got a, Bobby Dahlbeck Homer, that was cool. Um, other than that, we got Jackie Bradley Homer, that was cool. Other than that, I mean, it was it was just disgusting, including the most runs the Red Sox have ever given up on Friday night, 28, 28 to five, the most runs the Blue Jays have ever scored in a game. Um, I mean, just, just complete insanity. Um, we're back to 500. Luke, I want to hear your thoughts about the, the Toronto series. Um, it's that's so it's time to you know it's time to pack it in for the season it's just 2022 is not going to happen not because of that one game uh but look at everything that happened to that i was onwards and upwards with this team until they got to tampa bay and even after they lost that first game i was all right of all these coming back friday when they go to new york whitlock's coming back friday when they go to New York, they're getting their starting pitchers back. Waka's the only useful one that's still on the IL, but he'll be back sooner or later. And we're going to do this. We're going to have a full bullpen with Whitlock in there, not dicking around with him at the, in, as a starting pitcher. And we're going to have our, our pitchers back. We can get back to what we were seeing for those 40 games against lesser teams. But I was confident we're going to show we can do it against good teams too, because our guys are coming back. And... Uh, Tuesday, July 12th, 
in the sixth inning, it just, everything went to shit and it's just been hit after hit after hit since then. Nothing good has happened since Tuesday, July 12th uh, in the sixth inning. And that was the game, in that game, Chris Sale pitched five innings, shut out the Rays, and then in the sixth, Story gets hit in the hand by Corey Kluber. Um, Matt, next inning, Matt Strom gets hit by a line drive in the wrist. He gets hurt. Then he throws the ball away to cough up the game. Um, and after after that, uh, what? We go to New York. We win one game. You know, they, they get swept by four in Tampa. All right, but, you know, some crazy things happened. You know, crazy shit always happens in Tampa. Let's let's beat the Yankees now that our team is mostly back to full strength. And then it just gets worse and worse. Saturday, we find out, I find out anyway, Pavetta's arm is fatigued. He's got dead arm just like Waka does. I think that's what we're going to find out about that. And then Sunday, Sale gets his finger broken. It's just everything has, the shit has hit the fan. And we saw Friday night, the team knows it. They're demoralized. That last week of the season, everything that happened totally demoralized them. They thought the reinforcements were coming. The Cavalry's coming to town. We're going to have a great second half. And then, boom, the pitchers, you know, they just go right back on the shelf. Um, and Friday, they knew it. J.D. Martinez was out with back spasms Friday after four days off for the All-Star break. How, why is that happening? And so it's just one more thing. Like these guys just know they got nothing. They got nothing left. And it showed Jaron Duran losing that fly ball for an inside the park grand slam and then not running after it. That's the way this team feels. And the leadership isn't doing anything about it because they're on their way out the door. JD Martinez is not getting re-signed. Xander Bogarts is not going to get re-signed. That's mostly his fault. He wants more money than he's worth, but it's, and it showed on the field. We saw Friday night, what happens in the moment that a team realizes the rest of the season is, is, is pretty much the season's over in July, in late July. And it, yeah, it was depressing to watch. And the only good thing you can say about it is it's better to know that you're fucked, you're fucked and, you know, just start planning for next season as opposed to being half in half out, like, Oh, we're not that bad, but we're not that good. And then not being able to, at least just, you know, go all in on the rebuild uh, because that doesn't do any good for anybody. Mediocrity is no good for anybody. At least when you're shitty, you know, you can just give up on this season and start building for the future. But it was sad. Yeah, that I think that was uh, one of my biggest takeaways this weekend was this team, the way it's constructed, you know, Bloom gets a lot of shit on baseball Twitter for this and that and the other thing. I don't think that there's really much of an issue with the way the team is constructed. We're just not seeing any of those people right now. Either they're not playing, they're on the IL, or they're they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? You talk all the time about, you know, even when JD doesn't have back spasms, you know, he has like eight home runs or something nine he has nine, nine home runs nine home runs you know um xander bogarts has seven home runs those are the three and four hitters right those right. are the three and four hitters in the team you know they've had great moments in boston they've had great seasons in boston but it's like this is your power this is the meat of your order yeah. and nobody's hitting long balls and it's it, there's way more to the game than home runs but it just shows that the guys in the middle order i mean i'm saying it's the injuries because I think, you know, Bogarts and Martinez hitting singles all summer, you got great starting pitching like they had in May and the beginning of June. You can overcome that because Martinez and Bogarts are still going to drive in runs, not what they did before, but they'll still get runs in. But it's when all your pitchers are going down too, on top yeah. of it, there's just, there's no recourse. And, you know, here's the thing. You, you got some starting pitchers hurt. You lose a game 28 to five or whatever it was like, Oh, that can be understandable. If you're not looking at the fact that Nathan Avaldi started that game, right. the guy who was supposed to be your ACE isn't hurt. He started the game that they lost 28 to five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there it's, it goes way beyond this too. You know, like we have a head, Kike and I don't know how long and you know he wasn't having the best season but 
that's a guy who can turn it around. He wasn't having the best season in the beginning of last year. And then he was the hottest hitter in the playoffs come October, you know, um, there's just like, it, it, it kind of, I don't want to go this far, but I'm going to go this far. It kind of just feels like everything has gone wrong. <laughs> you know, it, like you said, two guys getting hit on the hand in the same game. How often does that happen? You know, they haven't said shit about Pavetta. They haven't said a single thing about why he's not in the rotation right now. Right. They announced mm-hmm. the rotation and they went, you know, they went Evaldi, Crawford, TBD. What happened to Nick? Yep. Nothing. They didn't say anything, you know, um, even, you know, and it's the 10 games before the all-star game, Rafi gets put on the 10 day IL mm-hmm. <laughs> or mm-hmm. not the all-star game, uh, the trade deadline. Right. I mean, there's just this, this endless stream and it just, it just feels like, um, I don't know, nothing's going right. And that's them waving the white flag. Rafi didn't go on the IL until after that shit show happened Friday. And then it's like, all right, well, what are we doing here? What are we, what, what's, what's the point of this? And thank you for going on the record saying, cause I agree. It wasn't the way the team is constructed. I was saying this team's going to make the ALDS right up until three players got hit in the hand with 90 plus mile an hour baseballs. <laughs> and, and then just, more in like the pit the pitchers came back and the pitchers just left again <laughs> immediately <laughs> af- thereafter uh we're running you a long time but i want to hear all, the we... oh go ahead john i was about to say we're running a long time but i want to hear the yankee perspective on this real quick well okay so i haven't heard anything about how you felt during that 28 run shellacking i mean like <laughs> the group chat was the quietest i've ever seen it i had no idea what was going on I was down over the Astro series and then that happened and it really did pick me up a little bit. I was just curious how you, what was in your mind? That's question one and question two. I'm pretty sure Doug has advocated for firing Alex Cora before he's never been more right. I think the fact that Alex Cora couldn't motivate this lineup to be better than they have in this season. He's just <laughs> lost the clubhouse. Doug is no. right. And Luke, you're going to have to say it again. <laughs> Doug is not. Doug has never been right about anything since I've known him. But Doug is not a fire Alex Cora guy. Doug doesn't like the way Heim Bloom built the roster. And I know we're going over time, but to sum up, Doug, when they started off horrible in April, going 10 and 19, Doug was like, this team shit. Heim Bloom built a shitty team. He he's He's not building a team the way a big market team's supposed to supposed to he's just getting he's just getting shitty players and value players that aren't going to amount to anything and and then i i was saying they'll turn around they'll turn around they'll turn it around just give it time and they turned it around they had a great 40 game stretch and then what happened they were they were doing great based on the back of great starting pitching and then four of their five starting pitchers got injured and then after that happened they started a tailspin and then doug's like i told you I told you this team ain't shit. You know, it was just, you know, and today you're saying, oh, it's lucky. They were lucky for 40 games. No, you lose four starting pitchers out of five, and then he starts coming back and they get hurt again. Yeah. You're, Your you're leadoff gonna, hitter, you're, the guy with the most RBIs on the team, one of your best relievers. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. What's your best what's, lefty? Yeah. What's that got to do with Alex Cora should not have allowed three players to break their hands. His fault <laughs> definitely needs to be fired. Um, the last thing I'll say about this, and then we'll move on to the Yankees and uh, Orioles series, is to answer your question, John, because I will answer it. Watching the twenty-eight to five beating, I wholeheartedly wanted them to score thirty-one runs because that would have been the major league record, and that would have been at least something, right? This was just an ass kicking for no reason. It, it meant nothing, right? It did nothing, but just suck. It, you know, the history books at least would have been cool in some way. The worst part was Bobby Dalbeck hit a home run. So it's like you still given <laughs> the Heim worst Bloom. part. Yes, because you're still giving Heim Bloom like, hey, look, there's a bright side to this. Bobby's turning it around. <laughs> and Deakman had his best outing of the season. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We're moving on. We're moving on. This is not fun. Um the uh, the Yankees Orioles series over the weekend here in Camden Yards. We actually had um, one lucky Bleacher Brawls giveaway winner at the Saturday night game. An Orioles fan at the only Orioles win. Uh, Yankees win the series two to one. Barnes, I'll start with you. Takeaways from the Baltimore series. This is a competitive team. They're not messing around anymore. You can't just kick their ass anymore. And um, it was, you know, it was it was an up and down series. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh Shout out to Doug from Bleacher Brawls. He's uh, the resident Orioles fan. And guess what, Doug? 
I'm believing the Orioles hype. This Orioles ball club is good. However, they are under 500 now. So go Yankees. Go Orioles under 500 for to win our bet. Uh, by the way, we Doug and I made a bet. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, feel free to tweet at us somewhere. Uh, Instagram, reply to us somewhere. Uh, what do you want to see the loser of the bet do? Um, game one was tight game. Uh, game two, we, we blew it. We had 25 guys left on base. Um, Cole pitched well in that game and when the Yankees lost and the bullpen let up runs and the offense just couldn't do anything. And it was just a fluky type of game. And as John, uh, John Sterling would say, that's baseball, Susan. And th- that's just how it goes sometimes. But uh, game three was great. Nestor came out, had a great game. Clark Schmidt, you know, just finished it out. That game, uh, today's game was cruise control. Um, but definitely this Orioles team, I'm seeing it. Like Rushman looked great. Mountcastle looked great. There was just a Mullins, just a ton of guys in this Orioles team. And I understand why Doug is jumping ship from the Sox. So go Doug. <laughs> I love, how, I love how when Doug is not here, we can both talk shit about him and also congratulate well, him for becoming an Orioles fan, I, which I'm seriously I, considering. I understand him jumping ship after as a, a huge fan of the show. Shout out to at Red Sox fam 23, Mr. Taylor. That was a biblical ass whooping <laughs> that the Red Sox took. So shout out to him. Biblical. <laughs> I don't remember um, anything from the Bible being that bad. And I've read the Bible. I went to a Catholic college. But since you mentioned it real quick, Barnes, just yes or no answer. We don't have to really get into it. I think it's definitely a topic for another day. You mentioned John Sterling says, oh, that's baseball, Susan. Are you a John Sterling guy? <laughs> Short answer, yes. Okay. Wasn't, wasn't John Sterling the thing you hated most about the Yankees when you wrote that column, Luke? Wasn't that number he was. one? He was number one. He was number one. <laughs> That, and that column was trite. <laughs> now you're a number one, Barnes. You're the number one thing I hate about the Yankees. John Sterling would never use that word. He can't spell it. I mean, if it fit for a home run call, he would use it. Yeah, if the guy, it was Devon White playing for the Yankees. White is not trite. <laughs> All right. All right. Anyway, anyway, um, John, any, any takeaways from the Baltimore series? Um, it was a good series. You know, what do you think? Inside Again, jokes yeah. that nobody listening understands. <laughs> really good series. Baltimore is, you know, Doug was right. Really competitive team. They got some talent there. They might be turning it around. Saturday's loss was probably the hardest loss of the season, at least in my opinion. That was a tough one. The Yankees were ahead. You had Garrett Cole on the mound. He pitched really well. And just kind of the end of the – the end was the sixth, seventh inning. He just kind of didn't have what it took. And the, the Orioles just – there's no quit on that team. They just saw their opportunity and they jumped on it. They jumped on Cole. Uh, that was a tough loss. And it really had me thinking, oh, man, we might – Yankees might lose this series. Like, I didn't think that would be possible. But the Yankees might lose this series against Baltimore. Obviously, they came back today. They really, you know, played a great game today. Bats came alive. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention is Isaiah kiner falefa has been looking really good lately. Uh, I think a 12, 13-game hitting streak, some nice plays in the field, really starting to step it up. Uh, and he's been one of those guys that's kind of – it looks like he can be one of those guys helping Aaron Judge carry the team while other players like John Carlos Stanton are, are not playing well or Aaron Hicks is now hurt again, which – Makes sense. Aaron Hicks, this guy, as soon as he starts playing well, he gets hurt again. I mean, that's, that's the story of Aaron Hicks's career. Michael King injury. That was terrible. You hate to see that happen. Um, there's no bright side to it, but at least the Yankees potentially have Zach Britton on his way back. Uh, Marinaccio pitched again is was brought back on the roster today. He's off the IL. Luizaga might be kind of finding his groove again. So the Yankees still have other bullpen, like bullpen help, uh, but still losing King. That that one hurt, and I feel so bad for that poor kid. Luke, um, John just said that the worst loss of the season so far was when they lost a 3-0 lead to the Orioles. I don't even think that would crack our top 10. 
Well, yeah, he planted that. That's not their worst <laughs> loss of the season. Uh, their worst loss of the season was last Friday when they, they had the bases loaded with nobody out or one out or whatever, and they didn't <laughs> score against the Red Sox to win. Um, but, yeah, that's good. I mean, look, we've been in that situation. Here's one thing I'll say about the Yankees organization, just long term. They haven't had a season like the Red Sox have – are having this year and the way the Red Sox did in 2014 and 2015, they never had a season where they were just frigging done in July. They were, you know, they're always, they're always hanging around at least even in their really bad years, you know, and the Red Sox, and that's what Heim Bloom has brought in to rectify this, this shit where the Red Sox, yay, one awesome season. We won a championship. And then you suck for two years, you know, which is, you know, it's nice to win the rings, you know, pre, 2004 you would you could have signed me up for that in a second but you know we're they're trying to build a team now that can compete for years on end every single year and that's the philosophy i'm behind it because look i'm stuck with this team for the rest of my life so i want them to be good every single year i've seen four championships already so i'm not in this do it now do it now do it now thing uh, we said that we wanted to, to talk about some of the injuries and we kind of have on the Red Sox end and, and John touched on the King injury. So Barnes, I'll let you touch on the King injury and then we can, uh, gosh, we can move on from that. Uh, losing Michael King is, has been just might be the worst part of my weekend. I had a great weekend. So losing Michael King, it sucks. And like, you hate to see a guy who's really stepped up this year and really been that setup guy for when at the beginning of the season I literally said who the hell is going to close out games who's going to be that eighth inning guy and Michael King as a whole as a collective has been a really solid setup man you know it, whether you want, want to use him in the eighth whether you want to use him in the seventh like let him get that like four or five outs like let him cross over from the seven to eight he's been phenomenal he's just been really good and it, it stinks that he goes down with an injury. He'll be out the rest of the season. It's such like a really good time for him in his young career. So it sucks to see, you know, Aaron Hicks today, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, he went, he got a little hurt. Um, when I first saw him, he looked like he, on one of his swings, he looked like he twisted his knee a little bit. And then later in that game, he, when he was running the, he gets a hit and he's walking to first base. And I'm like, what the heck is happening here? So, you know, Hicks is probably going to be out for a little while. Don't really know the extent of the injury right now. But like John said, it just seems like whenever Aaron Hicks starts getting going good and I start going, yeah, Hicks, I like that. He gets hurt and I'm like, eh, whatever. Still better than Joey Gallo. But injured on the IL, he's still better than Joey Gallo. Yeah. Because what, so was he can't hurt the team. He can't strike out. Right. So was the trajectory for King to be a starting pitcher at some point? Is that kind of the prevailing theory about Michael King's future? I don't think, I think they initially thought he was going to be a starting pitcher, but now I think he's just kind of bullpen. He didn't, in the chances he had last, I believe it was last season, he had a chance to start a couple of games and it didn't really go that well. So I think it, that means he's just bullpen from this point on. So here's my question. So say, I'm not saying, I'm saying in the absence of a, you know, you know, locust nest of injuries hitting the Yankees, like hit the Red Sox, say there's one more injury. Is there any conceivable scenario where Araldis Chapman is, you know, becomes like they're, they need him to be like the eighth inning guy, you know, that he's got to, we got, we need Chapman to bridge the gap from the start from whoever to clay Holmes. He's pitched. He's starting to pitch better. He's not at a few weeks ago. He was earlier in the season and a few weeks ago, he was unpitchable. Now he's giving up like one run per, per outing. So that's an improvement. <laughs> and if he can keep building on that and maybe instead of giving up one run per outing, it's like every other outing. And then every two outings, limiting base runners yeah maybe he can it can happen i think there's faith or not faith faith's the wrong word hope there is hope that maybe he can figure it out he still has talent he's still a physical specimen like there's hope that he can figure it out again and if he can't then he can't but i think there's 
there is that hope. So there, he's going to have every opportunity until he pr- loses every opportunity. No, Hank, no, no, no. <laughs> For the listeners out there, you can't see us right now. John's looking up at the ceiling. If you didn't know, when someone's literally trying to sell you on something, they just kind of look up like, oh, maybe something from the sky will fall into my head. And I'll know that if there was a scenario, it would be Wandy Peralta. Unless something, unless he like got hurt. Yeah, say he's the I, one I that think, gets injured. I think, yeah, if Wandy Peralta gets injured, then yeah, I, I would say maybe Chapman probably gets put in there you know it looks like they're trying to get a brave going but i don't think he they trust him with the eighth i think like john said there is hope chapman has some ability still but right as of this moment right now with king being out no that rules peralta right now i think like we'll find out in this next series with the mets because i guarantee you we're gonna need those guys to show up I said this in a previous show that I think Clay Buckholtz and Bobby Dahlbeck are boys. Like they text each other just because they've been through, you know, they've been that hated Red Sox player with tons of talent that ends up just pissing us off every single time we see them. So I feel like Matt Barnes and Raldis Chapman, like probably text each other a lot. Like they hate me even more than they hate you. And then, you know, I was like, no, they're not. No, it's not that bad. Like they, they try and commiserate with each other and pick each other up. Like, don't be surprised if they're spotted, like out having dinner at Morton Steakhouse or something. Matt, so, Matt Barnes, the guy who can't even lock down the double A guys in his. Yeah. He's, he's given up what? 10 runs and in seven innings in double A or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bad. Um, Barnes, you said that, uh, you had a good weekend and the one bad spot was, was him going down. I would say that Red Sox wise, I had a terrible weekend, but my one good thing was watching Alex Rodriguez lurk around big Poppy's hall of fame induction ceremony because he so badly wants to be there. <laughs> I get it. I thought you were going to say, uh, your, the highlight of your weekend was as Derek calls it, the Christian Vasquez two home run game. <laughs> if it baby. wasn't the 28 to 5 game sure that would be great no 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 Derek calls it the christian vasquez two home run game yeah that's, that's the, the one good spot is is vasquez on a roll even when he plays first base all right uh moving on moving on, moving on. okay so we said earlier we have the trade deadline coming up we're going to have a sort of a trade deadline preview yankees episode for you coming later in the week and then we'll have a trade deadline recap Red Sox episode when it's over. But I want to do sort of, you know, what are we, a week out? I think it's, you know, the second, what is that, next Sunday, next Monday, something like that. It's, you know, it's soon. Um, the Yankees obviously are going to be buyers, right? There are some positions that they should and will want to upgrade. Um, uh, Barnes, I'll start with you. What's on your list? What are you looking for from Brian Cashman over the next seven days? I think they should sell. Keep them guessing. <laughs> oh, so Just see what happens. Just hit him with the remix right there. Get him out. <laughs> no. Uh, so for anyone listening out there, if you've been tuning into my uh, daily single, like little single sodes, um, I've been saying that the Yankees should be getting on the phone, especially after the King injury. They just need relievers. That's what I, that's really what I think needs to happen for this team that should be their top priority obviously michael king's down you know chat like they're other than holmes and maybe peralta that bullpen looks pretty slim go out there you always need extra arms especially when it comes to playoff time bring them in you know could there be a david robertson reunion daniel bard's name is coming up a lot uh i michael fulmer from detroit you know i think those are three of like the bigger name relievers who are possible trade candidates. If you, you know, just literally go on Google and say, who are the trade deadline relief pitchers? Uh, but I really think that the Yankees top priority should be relief pitching. I'm, and then if you wanted a positional player, you got to get a, a bat, you know, possibly to replace Hicks. I'll let John take it from here, but that that's my top priority is relief pitching. I don't know if we share that or not. Yeah, I definitely think relief, relief pitching is a priority. For me, what I want to see, number one on my wish list, is Luis Castillo of the Reds. Yankees need starting pitching. Uh, Castillo came in when the Reds played the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. 
He seemed to handle the Yankee Stadium pretty well. Didn't seem to be rattled. That's something in the Yankees need starting pitching. I'm worried about our starting pitching. Tyone has been up and down. He's lost my love. Cortez had a great outing today against the Orioles, but we've been, he's been a little shaky. And Montgomery, you know, he's a four or five starter. And Severino's hurt. So the Yankees need the starting pitching. And I think for me, number one on my list, Luis Castillo. Again, I, I we need bullpen help. I, so I agree there. But number one on my list is starting pitching, specifically Luis Castillo of the Reds. Uh, Luke, uh, the Red Sox are in a very different situation. You know, even up as soon as like a week ago, there was maybe buyers, maybe sellers. We had a really great brawl between Joey and Derek in the last uh, podcast episode where they talked about is the Red Sox window opening or is it closing? Um, kind of seems like, you know, so much has changed even since we had that episode just a few days ago. Derek tweeted out all of the guys who are on expiring deals, Michael Walker, Rich Hill, Ploiecki, Strom, Vasquez, Hernandez, Martinez, Evaldi, Bogarts. Are we sellers? If so, who are we selling? Uh, cutting them all loose. Evaldi, Waka, Vasquez, um, Bradley. Trade all of them for as much as you can get for get for them. I know a lot of people think Evaldi's the ace. He's a very good starting pitcher. I'd like to have on my team, but he's, he's making, I think, I think his AAV now is 17 million, you know, after, you know, he did well in the postseason last year. I don't, I, he's not, he's going to want more than that. He's probably going to want, want like 25 million a year for four or five years. I don't, I'm not buying on that. Um, I think they, you know, you trade them, you know, you see what you can get, uh, but as far as for major league ready players, but you know, this is high in bloom next. I mean, next off season, you got so much money coming off the books, like all those guys, you know, plus JD Martinez, by the way. Yeah. Lose him to Xander Bogarts. It's hard to say. I don't say you cut Xander Bogarts loose. I think, you know, well, you he's keep got him in five, right? So you have to agree to anything, you know, right. He'd have to agree. I mean, assuming he'd agree to the trade that you, you would make for him. I don't think you cut him loose. I think you let him finish out the year with the Red Sox, get his, you know, his standing ovation on the last home game of the season. Like he deserves, he's been a great member of the Red Sox, but I don't want to re-sign him after this year because he's going to want 30 million. If he'll take 25 million for, uh, per year for six years or less then sh- yeah sign me up i'll keep xander bogarts he's gonna want 30 million he's gonna want like eight years and so i don't think uh that's a good idea to do targets i mean it's time bloom you, you target he's gonna target draft picks are the, the game for the red sox is money coming off of the books um so you can sign rafael devers and you can with what you got left you can pick up a couple guys from next year but say they want to, I mean, yeah, these are guys that are more, they're free agents anyway. Like I want to see in the off season, go after Joe Musgrove uh, or Shamanaya from the Padres, but you don't do that at the deadline uh, because that's their free agents anyway, at the end of the year. So it was just no point. Uh, so yeah, just sell, sell off all of them. JD Martinez and Xander Bogarts doesn't mean I don't love what they've done here, but they're just not, they're not going to be worth it. I mean, Martinez is not worth what he's making now. Anyway, he's the number three hitter. He's got nine home runs. His RBI percentage his percentage of team RBIs that he's driven in is 12.1%. In 2018, it was 19.8%. And it has steadily gone down since then. Uh, Xander Bogarts has seven home runs. He's got an 11.3 RBI percent percentage. And 2018, his was 19.7%. It's been steadily going down ever since then. Uh, it's just what we have right now is not a functioning core of a good baseball team. It would be if all the starting pitchers were healthy. You know, I think they could make a run at it. But moving forward, it's not a core you can build on. It's one of the oldest uh, teams in the league on average. So you sell them all. Sell them all, get whatever you can. And uh, as far as picks for rebuilding the system, sign Rafael Devers. That is what matters. That's that's priority one through 10. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I was saying earlier today, um, I think it's going to be uh, an emotional week for Red Sox fans because um, 2018 was not that long ago. <laughs> and it's going to get to the point where it feels like it was 30 years ago, right? Mookie and Benny, Luke, I know you have your thoughts on them, but that was for myself, at least, and for many Red Sox fans, it, those were emotional departures, right? And I think we're going to have some similar ones throughout the week and 2018 will be a, a thing long, long in the past and, and we'll be in a new, you know, new phase of the Boston Red Sox. And there's a younger, there's a whole crop of younger generations of red generation of Red Sox fans that that was really their first big exposure to their right. team. And all those guys got, not me or you, Pat, I mean, I'm 40, you're over 50. I mean, it's <laughs> like, it's a lot different for yeah. us, but yeah. It's just, you know, that happens. And that's that's the game. I mean, you're rooting for laundry for the most part these days. Yankee fans will see it too when, when uh, judges are met next year. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Um, okay, so we talked about Yankees deadline. We won't talk about Red Sox deadline. There are a couple interesting names that are, that are getting thrown around, and we're going to go through them uh, very quickly. The Juan Soto sweepstakes is still underway. You see these, all these different projections and simulations and all these different things about who can afford Soto, where is he going to go, is it going to happen in the next seven days, all that kind of stuff. Barnes, I'm going to start with you. You've had a very interesting, I think the Yankees could maybe pull it off perspective, um, and I want to hear a little bit about that outside of the group chat. So outside of the group chat, here you go. I did. I covered it in a recorded Twitter space. So if you want to listen to that space specifically, I'll try to cover it here. Um, but uh, I think behind the scenes, there's this guy. His name is Derek. He's phenomenal. He runs our YouTube page. So feel free to check us out on YouTube. Um, he loves running numbers and he loves running uh, Madden simulations and FIFA situations, simulations. So he likes doing that on his computer with, trade value which is you know this kind of made up thing made up by pencil pushers like jonah hill and moneyball <laughs> so here we go everyone's i don't think that the yankees will make the move for soda i think they legitimately could though they have a bunch of prospects ready to go you know obviously their big name prospect their big three prospects are uh, dominguez peraza volpe you probably have to give up those guys. If you're also getting getting Soto, they'll probably want some sort of outfielder. We have Estevan Florial to trade them, who apparently is not the Yankees' plan because we're playing Joey Gallo over this guy. Florial is tearing it up in AAA. What more does the guy have to do to prove his way onto this team? There's this big fat guy, Joey Gallo, who just strikes out all the time who's clearly a better baseball player than Floreal. So why can't we trade him? Oh, there's this other guy who gets hits, who's a proven major leaguer, Miguel Andahar. All right. When people say that we don't have anything to offer, we do have things to offer. You know, I've seen Glaber Torres name come up a lot in that trade as well. And you know what, if you have to deal with Torres, which I don't think is overall smart for this Yankees team right now to get Soto, Great. I mean, honestly, if we need to beat the Astros pitching, I feel like a guy like Soto could help get us over that little hump. Soto's clearly a great hitter. He won the home run derby. He's been a he's 23 years old. He's going to be on the Yankees team a long time to relate to John's earlier point about these young Astros pitchers who are going to be on that team for a long time. So I think that the Yankees could make the move. I don't think they will because they have bigger and more important priorities though john juan soto or aaron judge i mean be speaking from my heart aaron judge <laughs> i mean like you know he he's aaron judge look i mean i the problem the problem of juan soto and the problem with all these trade value projections is there is no fair comprehend compensation for Juan Soto, you are not going to Astros are or Astros. The Nationals are not going to get a player that is anything close to what Juan Soto is. And hope so the best they can hope for is the best deal they can possibly get. 
get a couple start guys that can be starting in the future, uh, maybe a couple bullpen arms, maybe starting pitcher, just get what they can get. I think the Yankees do have a pretty robust farm system. They could probably offer something. And one thing we talk, I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, you're trading for Juan Soto. Well, you're trading now. You're not trading for Juan Soto for the next 15 years. You're trading through the next two seasons. And then you have the hope that maybe he's willing to talk extension, which I don't even think he is. So that's part of it too. Like if I'm any team, I'm not going to, when you're talking compensation with the nationals, you're not, you can't be looking at it as I'm getting this guy for the next 15 years. Cause there's no guarantee that's the case. Um, just, there's no, I guess there's just no fair compensation for Soto. I think, like, and I think if the Yankees were to make that deal, another interesting kind of way of looking at this, let's say the Yankees do make that deal for Juan Soto right now at the trade deadline and then go on to win the World Series. Well, you'd have to empty your farm system to get Juan Soto, but you could also trade him after the World Series and get all that compensation back. You know, the Yankees, let's say they trade for Juan Soto, win the World Series, you can still re-sign Aaron Judge, and Juan Soto has only been there for a short amount of time. The Yankees fans won't be overly attached and crushed if the Yankees turn around and trade him to another team just to replenish their farm system. Because realistically, if you do have Aaron Judge and Juan Soto, you cannot sign both. All right, Luke, keep it short. You're you're just dying over there. Juan Soto to the Yankees. Keep it short. I'm just dying because like John, John referencing those <laughs> – those totally rational Yankee fans who would, if Juan Soto helped lead you to a World Series championship and then they flipped him for prospects, like they'd all be like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, you know, love you mean it, but, you know, business is business. Of course not. They would lose their friggin' minds. They would not, if they're resigning Aaron Judge, that's going to be okay. Like they won the World Series, you resign Aaron Judge. You could turn around and flip Juan Soto. The Yankees fans aren't going to be in a position to lose their minds. Now, if the Yankees get Juan Soto and lose the World Series and don't resign Aaron Judge, and then they flipped Juan Soto, yeah, Yankees fans would lose their minds. But they keep Aaron Judge, win the World Series, yes, you can flip Juan Soto with the whole reasoning being we're replenishing the farm. If Aaron Judge hits 200 in the World Series and Juan Soto hits 450 with three home runs, then that, that all changes. But regardless, um, Soto, he's not going to go to the Yankees. The Yankees have a good farm system for, by all accounts, but there's other te- if other teams want him, he's not he's not going to go there. They can't, you know, if say the Dodgers want him, as scary as that is, you know, they've got, you know, as has been the case for the past six or seven years, maybe longer. They got the best farm system there is. Uh, and if they want him, they'll take him. They got the prospects to get him and he would jump at the freaking chance to play there. I've also heard the Padres this is from Derek, but this is the Padres would have <laughs> the pieces to get him. So imagine, imagine Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis and Juan Soto on the same team. That wouldn't even be freaking fair. Um, but you know, the one thing that I would, love to see which probably isn't would never happen just because it doesn't make sense Shohei Otani he wants out of LA because that's a dysfunctional shithole of an organization over there they've had him and Mike Trout for a couple seasons they still suck um he wants out of Anaheim so Juan Soto is the closest thing you would ever possibly even come close to getting to equal value for Shohei Otani just because I would love to see the most blockbuster player for player trade in the history of sports. I would love to see that Soto uh, for Otani Soto goes to the the angels. Otani goes to the nationals and look, the nationals don't have, they have a terrible farm system. They're not going anywhere for years, but maybe Otani would be part of a, would be willing to be a part of a rebuild. If uh, he feels like they're, he feels like the front office knows what they're doing and he doesn't feel like it's a completely dysfunctional hellhole the way it is with Arne Moreno in LA. I don't know, but that's what I would love to see. Like imagine the headlines there and how fun that would just be to watch the baseball world just erupt. If that kind of trade happened, <laughs> it would be the worst. It'd be the most irrelevant trade ever in a sense. So, cause it'd be between two last place teams and would do nothing for either team, or maybe the angels aren't a last place team, but it'd be for two terrible teams and it wouldn't improve either team. Ah, uh long-term it could it'd be interesting 
All right. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Let's move on. We're going to quickly do um, just speed round. Any final thoughts on the trade deadline? It's going to be a crazy kind of seven days. We're going to find out who's in, who's out, who's the contender, who's the pretender. Uh, we'll go Zoom order. That's Barnes, Luke, John, and myself. Um, just quick wrap up. Trade deadline thoughts. Barnes, go. Trade deadline thoughts. Yankees, go get some arms. Done. Luke. Um, sell, sell it off, Red Sox. Everything must go. Sign Devers. John. Starting pitching. Go get Luis Castillo. We need someone who can give us some innings and can pitch in Yankee Stadium. Mine is Juan Soto does not get traded before this trade deadline. I think they want to be more careful than that. How can they not trade him after they slap him across the face by not chartering a plane <laughs> to fly him to the home run derby after he turned down their 15-year $440 million offer? $440 million offer? That is, I have never been treated that disrespectful in my entire life. I can't believe Soto has even put on their uniform again after that nonsense. All right, folks, like we said, we have um, a Yankees trade deadline sort of preview coming at you later in the week. Uh, we'll do a Red Sox episode to recap the deadline um, after it's all over. Uh, before I wrap it up, though, I want to go to um, a couple, you know, promote a couple things we have upcoming um, at Bleacher Brawls. Barnes, I'll start with you. Hey, what's up, everyone? If you listened in this far, you got to the promo section. Uh, we'll be doing, uh, if you're into baseball cards or you're not into baseball cards, or if you're just into like the, specifically the baseball cards of your favorite players, Bleacher Brawls will be hosting a box break uh, in which our host, Doug, will open up a, box, a couple boxes of cards on camera. It's tons of fun. We did it uh, a little while ago. Um, if for more information to that, head to our Twitter at Bleacher Brawl on Twitter. It's our pinned tweet. You'll see it at the top, and we'd be happy to have you. Uh, feel free to use promo code hashtag trite for 0% off, but it will anger Luke. Uh, my promo is um, by the time you're listening to this Monday morning, at some point today, later in the day, I'll have a, a piece about Bull Durham coming out and how it's one of the best baseball movies. And I also use the word trite in that piece just to piss Luke off. And um, he sent me a nasty text about it. Uh, anything else you want to promo? Or are we good? Not now. Me. Now I don't want to talk to any of you. <laughs> all right folks let's wrap it up there so uh my name is patrick for john for luke for barnes we are bleacher rolls you can find us anywhere you find things online twitter facebook instagram the podcast which you're listening to right now on apple podcast spotify anywhere you find your podcast you're leaving this a nice review you're hitting the five stars button you're going to our youtube channel you're hitting subscribe you're going over the twitter because you want to get involved in bleacher brawls breaks we got so much going on and we're so happy that you're here with us and um, it's going to be a crazy, you know, upcoming week with this deadline. And uh, and you're going to be want to you're going to want to be with us the entire time. So for all four of us, we're going to wrap it up there. Thanks for listening, and we will see you all next time. <laughs>